Or open your Bible to Exodus chapter 20. We're looking at the Ten Commandments that are found here this morning. We come to the Fourth Commandment. There's, the, there's a summary of all ten uh, there before you. Have no other gods, number one. Don't make, make no idols, number two. Number three, speak well of God and for God, number four. Keep the Sabbath special. Number five, honor father and mother. Number six, uh, commit no adultery. Seven, commit, no, excuse me, no murder, no adultery. Number seven, number eight, commit no stealing. Number nine, tell no lies against her neighbor. And number 10, do not covet. Got it? All right, we're going to take the slide away. Now you got to say it. Ready? You ready? Number one, have no other gods. Two, make no idols. Three, speak well of God and for God. Four, keep the Sabbath special. Five, honor father and mother. Six, commit no murder. Seven, commit no adultery. Eight, commit no stealing. Nine, tell no lies against our neighbor. And ten, do not covet. Great. We just keep going over it week to week. We'll get it. Um, And it gives us a grid to work by. This morning, I want us to look at the fourth commandment. And for obvious reasons, we will spend five or six weeks looking at this commandment. First of all, when I get to the fourth commandment, the Sabbath day, I don't know about you, but I have intentionally tried to forget this command. You know, just push it somewhere in the recesses of my mind and act as if it doesn't exist. Because when I stop to think about the fourth commandment to keep the Sabbath holy, it starts with the word remember. And I'm thinking, did God know I want to forget it? Because he starts with the word remember. Why does he want me to remember? I don't want sometimes to remember this command. And the reason I don't want to remember it, because we all know it is a command about rest. And I don't know about you, it just produces relentless controversy. Instead of restful comfort. Because of that, I just want to push it aside and ignore it. I don't know about you, probably you're a lot like me. And you have ignored this command at least a little, right? And I just would like not to deal with it because anytime I bring it up, it seems controversial. Remember the Sabbath day. That, that just conflicts. I, I got gymnastic practice this afternoon. I got soccer practice. I got orientation at college. I want to go to the lake. I want to go fishing. I want to play golf. I got so many things that seem to be on the Sabbath day. And are you telling me those are off the board? And I've got to remember this day? And then it it doesn't seem to be a blessing. It doesn't seem to be restful. It, it seems to be a burden. It seems to be drudgery. It seems to be a curse. Well, we got something wrong then, don't we? And that's what I'm struggling with. Let's get it right. This day should not seem that way to us. We should not want to push it aside. We should not want to ignore it. It should be a day which we cherish and passionately 
pursue because God says this is a blessing for you. He wants us to pursue this. He wants us to remember this gift that he's got for us. So as, as I have stopped to think about this command, I want to begin this morning by really giving you four reasons why I personally highly value the Sabbath day. Four reasons why it is important to me. And I think it's important to you to value the Sabbath day. We, we may have gotten it wrong. So let's start over. And let's try to get it right by, first of all, just knowing its value. Let's start with this is a day to value, not a day to, to push aside or to ignore. First reason is because of God's teaching about this day. Now catch this. There are 90 references to the Sabbath day in the Bible. 90. It will take you. I printed them all out. I read them all. Got a copy, hard copy of, the, of every verse. It will take, you will have to read 116 verses of Scripture to read everything God says in the Bible on the Sabbath day. That's more print than many of the books in the Bible. So when I say God's teaching on this subject, it is a large substantive work that God has given us on the Sabbath day. You can Google them. You can print them out too uh, with your Bible software. 90 verses on the Sabbath day. God has a lot to say about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not a small subject. No matter what part of the Bible you've been given, the Sabbath is in every major section of Scripture. It's in the historical section of the Old Testament. It's in the poetical section of the Old Testament, the Psalms, prophet. It's in the prophetic, prophet, the prophets, prophetic section of the Old Testament. It's in the Gospels, New Testament. It's in the Epistles, New Testament. It's in the last book of the Bible, the prophecy section of the New Testament. You can't go to any section of the Bible and not find God speaking about the Sabbath. He doesn't ignore it anywhere. So he's teaching us something very important to him. No part of his kingdom, no part of his church could escape his teaching on the Sabbath day. It just keeps coming up over and over and over again. Remember the Sabbath day. Now, we're remembering a, a, a summary of it. Keep the Sabbath day special because God wants us to do that. He begins with the word remember. And I want to just give you a sample. I'm not, I don't have time this morning. I thought, man, it'd be fun just to have a sermon and read all 90 verses. Not going to do that, okay? I'm going to give you a sample of a few of the verses God's teaching on the Sabbath day. So let's begin with Genesis 2. Genesis 2, verse 2 and 3. Genesis 2, verse 2 and 3. This is where it's first mentioned. Hear God's word. And on the seventh day, there it is. The seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, and he made it 
holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So on the seventh day of creation, God introduces this day, this concept that there is going to be, starting now, a day of rest from all of our creation work. Didn't say God quit all of his work. He still does lots to maintain our universe. But God rested from this creative work on the Sabbath day, and then he set that day apart. The word holy means to be set apart, to be consecrated. He set that day apart as different from the other days of the week. And the reason he set that day apart from the other days of the week is because he says, I'm going to do something that's set apart from what I have been doing. I'm going to rest. And I'm going to rest from this creation work I've been doing. And I want recognition of that. I want respect of that. I want people to join me in that. And I want this in my um, course of creation. I want this to be set aside as a creation order or a creation ordinance. That on this day we will stop and we will rest. So God established the Sabbath day, this day of rest, hundreds of years before the commandments were ever given, before Moses existed. So people want to argue and say, well, I'm not sure that command still carries over today. We're not talking about whether the command carries over. Does the creation ordinance carry over? God says this begins with creation. This is a creation ordinance. This is something I have established with my creation. That on the seventh day we stop. We set this day aside as a day for rest. And that's what God has given us. This day of rest. So when he says the word remember. See he's pointing back. He's pointing back to the seventh day of creation. There's something going on. In the creation order, I want you to remember. And that becomes part of the fourth command. Now, second place, you find it. And this is where the most explicit teaching is given. Again, also before the Ten Commandments. Look at Exodus chapter 16. Do I have it up there? Yeah, Exodus 16, 27 through 30. Exodus 16, beginning at verse 27. says, On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather. But they found none. They're looking for, you know, manna. God was providing manna from heaven. Didn't find any on the seventh day. And the Lord said to Moses, he probably said, dude, you know, how long would you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? Now also notice, this is before the Ten Commandments. But it was understood there was an order that was supposed to be respected on the seventh day. The Ten Commandments don't come till Exodus 20. This is Exodus 16. The Ten Commandments don't come until the people are gathered on Mount Sinai or at the foot of Mount Sinai. But the people at, in Exodus 16 have already been redeemed out of Egypt. They've been in Egypt 400 years under slavery. And even 400 years under slavery, they understood a creation ordinance to keep the Sabbath day. God takes them out of Egypt, out of slavery, 
Also, that's important to remember because God uses that analogy. I bought you out of slavery. I bought you out of Egypt. I made you my people. He's not talking about giving them the Sabbath day to earn salvation. He's not talking about giving them the Sabbath day to make them worthy as His people. The Sabbath day was something we do to be, to just live with Him, to be pleasing to Him. It's not something that earns salvation. He says, now why are y'all going out? So Exodus, go back to Exodus 16. Why are you going out trying to find food on the seventh day? The Lord said to him, verse 28, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments, my laws? See, verse 29, The Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you. Notice givens twice there. The Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out on his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. God says, this is not supposed to be a day that's a burden. It's not supposed to be drudgery. You don't even have to go out and get food. My intention is to give you what you need on the sixth day, twice as much. You go out on the sixth day, and you get twice as much food for the same amount of work. How good is that? And then on the seventh day, you put out your lawn chairs, you put the food on the barbie, and you kick back. And rest. Woohoo! See, that was the seventh day. And they're out there trying to scrounge for food. And God said, what are you doing? You're missing the point. I gave you. It's a gift. I gave you twice as much yesterday. I don't want you doing this on the set. I want you just to kick back and rest. And stop this stress and strife. That we create. You see God didn't create the stress and the strife. We're creating it. And this day is to be a gift. This day was created for us. It was set apart for us to find blessing. And to find rest. And I was not. I wasn't ever taught it that way. It always bothered me. Nobody ever told me. Maybe my head screwed up and that I, it needed to be a blessing. Maybe I was getting something wrong. This is all before the, tenth, I mean, the fourth commandment. Before the Ten Commandments come about, God is describing the seventh day uh, and the importance of it, a gift to us, a blessing. But clearly not, here's the key point, clearly not an ordinary day. The Sabbath day for God was different than the other six. And that's what makes it the blessing it is. And the rest it is. And the beauty that it is for us. Look at another passage. Exodus 31. Exodus 31. Verse 16. Found other places. Like I said, this is just a sample Exodus 31, verse 16 says, Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath, 
throughout their generation as a covenant forever. Doesn't sound like God plans to abrogate this day. Many people, you have been taught, I've been taught, well, you know, the Sabbath day is not in force anymore. Doesn't sound like God wants to take this day off the, off the table. He says, I want you to keep this going throughout your generations, and I really want you to do this forever. And our God, we know, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He knows the beginning and the end. He's not taking this off the table. He may change it. He may shape it. But there's no indication in Scripture he ever removes it. And we'll look at some of those changes. Where he changes it from a seventh day to a first day and stuff like that. But how the day doesn't go away. And the reason for his changes and stuff that's happening. See God's forever design. See from the beginning God has no plan to abrogate this day. Now look at Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52. Verse 2. I said, excuse me, 56, verse 2. 56, verse 2. Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who holds fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Again, blessing. Don't miss the first word. Blessing. God says, I want to give you blessing. And this blessing comes through keeping the Sabbath day, not by profaning it. It's, if it's holy, it's set apart, it's sacred. If it's profaned, which the word profane a lot of times in the Old Testament is just used uh, as a synonym for common. So you've taken what is holy and sacred and you've used it in a very common way. That's profaning the Sabbath. You've taken a day that's not like any other day and you've made it like every other day. Common. And that's what's going on here. Blessed are you when you don't do that. You remain fixed on this sacred purpose. Now skip down verse um, 6. And the forgiveness, and the, excuse me, and the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to Him, to love the name of the Lord and to His servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath, and does not profane it. You, know, you don't make it common like every other day. And holds fast my covenant. And these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Now that's a big statement in the book of Isaiah. We're looking in the, at Isaiah in my discipleship class. We looked at last week how the people of God brought their worship sacrifices to God, and it was just lip service. And God said, I, I, I'm not interested in that. Matter of fact, I, I want to break away from your worship. I don't want to show up at your church, was one of the messages God was saying in the book of Isaiah. But yet, you get to this chapter, and he says, I do want to show up. I want to show up to the church that's taking seriously the Sabbath. You're keeping the Sabbath. You're not profaning it. You're holding to my covenant. He says, not only do I want to show up and bless you, I want to make you joyful 
in my house of prayer. How many of you need a little more joy in the house? God says it comes through Sabbath keeping. Sometimes, you see, that's not in our heart to keep the Sabbath. We're going through the ritual. We're going through the motion. God says, no, no, no. When you understand, you walk into this day, you step into this day, and you, you wake up and you say, God, what a gift. You've given me the Sabbath day. And you've given me a day to enter into your house. And this is the day you're promising me blessing. It's the day you're promising me joy. You're promising me rejoicing. And that's what I'm going to get today. Wow. Many of us are shut off to that because we're not thinking that way. And yet God is saying, I want this day to truly be a gift, a blessing, a day of joy, a day of holiness where it's set apart. And you also become sacred and sanctified. The Sabbath day becomes a tool of sanctification. It's not a tool for justification. It's not a tool for salvation. It's a tool where we get closer and closer to God. So you see, again, God's teaching. Uh, Jeremiah 17. Need to move on. Jeremiah, I'm, I'm still on the first point. I got four, right? Jeremiah 17, 24 through 27. So we move to the prophets. Jeremiah 17, 24 through 27. He says, if you listen to me, declares the Lord, and you bring in no burden by the gates of this city on the Sabbath day, but keep the Sabbath day holy and do not work on it, then there shall enter, then there shall enter by the gates of this city kings and princes who sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots on the horses, they and their officials, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and this city shall be inhabited forever. And the people shall come from the cities of Judah and the places around Jerusalem, from the land of Benjamin, from Shephelah, and from the hill country, and from Negev, and bringing burnt offerings and sacrifices, grain offerings and frankincense, and bringing thank offerings to the house of the Lord. It's going to be a blessing. Everything's going to work. Verse 27. But if you do not listen to me to keep the Sabbath day holy and not to bear a burden and enter by the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle a fire in its gates and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem and shall not be quenched. The people of God were not keeping the Sabbath day. Carry a burden in the gates. Well, that's... you. You load up your donkey with all your flea market stuff, you know, and you go in the gates as soon as the sun comes up and you set up your stuff and start selling and trading. That's what he's talking about. He says, y'all are doing that. You need to quit that. You're treating it like a, a, another day, just like another, the, the same old days. You need to set it apart. When you set it apart as holy and sacred, kings and princes, people will come in to find joy in the house of the Lord. But you're not doing that. I'm, I'm asking you to, to, to get back, remember the Sabbath day, and keep it holy. If you will, you'll be blessed. Well, they don't. Finish reading the book of Jeremiah. It ends with lamentations. Jeremiah's lament that Jerusalem did not wake up, did not keep the Sabbath day. And God judged them for it and says, for every year you didn't keep the Sabbath day. I'm going to give you a year 
of exile. And so for 70 years, they went into exile. Babylon took them to Babylon for 70 years just because they weren't keeping the Sabbath day. God says, you're missing blessing. Acts like you won't curse. We can make that happen. And that's what does happen. Mark, let's go to a New Testament passage. Mark 2, verse 27. Famous passage. Goes along with what I've been saying. Mark 2, verse 27. And he said, which is Jesus, he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. I think you've been seeing that in the sample that I've given you. The Sabbath day is a gift. It's, it's for you to find blessing and joy in God's house. It's for you to find rest. It's for you to rejoice in what God's done through you for six days. And to get reflection and to be equipped and to be with Him for the other days of the week. I've just given you a few of 90 references, going back to what I first said. Just a few of 90 references. Some of the references imply change, which I've also indicated. But none of them imply abrogation, that we take it away. And so the people that say to me and say to you, I've tried to ignore it. I've tried to abrogate it. I've tried to throw it out. I've tried to forget it. But as I keep reading the 90 references, they don't tell me to do that. And somebody will come up with one obscure reference that says, you don't need to keep the Sabbath. You know that, right? And you're asking me to take one obscure reference and let it overrule the other 90 explicit references. That's not good Bible interpretation. We need to get back to God's very strong emphasis on the Sabbath day and see what it's about and see how it's a blessing to us. Many people have gotten it wrong. Let's get it right. Uh, let's study God's gift. Let's study God's blessing and learn to sit in it and rejoice in it and to embrace it. Second, let's look at another reason I highly value I highly value the Sabbath day because God has taught me a lot on the Sabbath day and about the Sabbath day. Second, I highly value because I see it as a test. It's interesting, the most explicit reference, the first most explicit reference we get on the Sabbath day describes the Sabbath day as a test. So let's go back and see that. It's Exodus 16. We already looked at it a little bit. Let's look at a few other verses. Exodus 16, verse 4 and 5. Exodus 16, verse 4 and 5 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, that's the manna, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may catch this. What? I'm going to test them. God tests us. So the whole reason for the manna, he says, it's a test. Whether they will walk in my law or not. They haven't gotten the Ten Commandments, the law yet. But God says, I'm going to start testing to see. I want to test their heart. I want to test their love. Verse 5. On the sixth day, he tells them specifically ahead of time. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it's going to be twice as much as they gather daily. Now look over at verse 20, 
uh, 7, 28. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said, verse 28, to Moses, How long will you keep? How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain, each of you, in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh. So the people rested. It was a test. He says, you failed the test. I want you to keep the test. Now, God initiated this day for a test in the Old Testament. Could he be doing that today? Could he be testing you? Could he be testing me? Trying to think about an example of this test. My wife doesn't even know it. I don't share my sermons with her. She finds out like y'all do. Sorry. But last night I'm laying in bed, or this morning, it's 3 4 o'clock somewhere. And she reaches over and she touches me. You know, it's likely she's not trying to startle me. But I do that too. She reaches over. She's, she's just, I, I know when I feel that hand come, she just wants to know if I'm still here. She wants to know if I'm still all right. I'm still breathing. I'm still in the room. Because she probably looked at the clock and it's somewhere around four. And some four and after is when I usually jump up and go do my thing, my devotions. I get going. And she reached over as soon as she touched me. It's like, okay, he's here. He's still here. That's a test. She's testing to see. Test, it's like testing the words. I'm, I'm just testing to see if he's still my husband. Is he still here? I reach over at times. Same thing. And I, I just want to lightly touch. Is my spouse still in the room? Has she gotten up? Has she done something else? Is she hot? And wants me kind of to stay away? Because you don't want two sweaty people together. Or is she cold and would probably appreciate a, to cuddle and to be warm? It's a test to evaluate the condition of someone's state. And God has given us the Sabbath day. And he looks down and says, this is a test. Do you, do you want a day to just be with me? Do you want a day to cuddle in my presence? To receive my provisions? To receive my love? To receive my wisdom and my direction? Do you want a day to rejoice together in love? It's a love test. It's not a test of earning salvation. It's a test of togetherness, of family, of joy in one another's presence. Of saying, I don't, I don't have to go and earn the bread today. I can just be with Jesus. He says, why don't you want that? That was the test. Seeing that test in God's word, 
and I'm out of time already, and I got more. Nehemiah does the same thing in Nehemiah 13, so I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to skip that. But it, you see it again that God says, you're going to abandon time with me? Then I guess I'll abandon time with you. And we miss that blessing that God wants to give us. He's constantly testing. And just as he tested Israel and Judah in the Old Testament, could he be testing us as a church, as a people, as a community, as a nation? Do you want me as your God? Are you really one nation under God? Or do you just really want to do your own thing? I want to be with you. He's a God who continues to communicate his love for us. And we miss this love. Remember me. Oh, the, the phrase in Isaiah, I mean, excuse me, in Nehemiah, verse 22, Nehemiah 13, verse 22. It, you'll see it if you look it up today. Nehemiah says, God, remember me for this. And when I saw that phrase, you know, I kind of circled like, because you don't see that phrase much in the Bible. Remember me for this. It's like when I step into heaven, I want to be remembered for this. What? For teaching the Sabbath and for keeping the Sabbath. Remember me, God. It's, it's another way of saying, I'm... I'm a lover. I'm a God lover. I'm a God commandment keeper. I love you, God, and I love spending time with you, and I love telling other people that I love spending time with you, and I love encouraging them to just spend time with you. Remember me for this. And you don't say something like this unless you know it matters. It matters to God. Nehemiah was speaking to the heart of God. Remember me, God, as a lover of my God. I take a day every week seriously as a day set apart just to love my God. All right, let's move on. God's testimony. Look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 17. I've been in that camp that wants to throw out the commands of God. And as I read through the Bible every year, I come to this, this the end of the book, and, and you read this, and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want to be now one of those who throw out the commands of God. Look at uh, Revelation 12, verse 17. Then the dragon becomes furious with the woman, and she went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. On those, so here's the dragon or Satan, the evil forces, going to attack and make war on who? On those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So what side do you want to be on? You want to be on the dragon side or you want to be on the side of those who hold to the testimony of Jesus? Because those who hold to the testimony of Jesus also are characterized as commandment keepers. They don't throw out the commands. One of the Descriptions of a Jesus follower, a loyal person united to Christ, is that they're a commandment keeper. Look at chapter 14, verse 12, same book. 
says, here is a call for the endurance of the saints. So here we're called saints. Notice the description again. Those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Well, you agree, we're saved by faith, faith alone. But once we receive faith in Christ and trust in Christ alone, one of our characteristics is that we keep the commands. We're asking God, okay, now that I am, I am a believer, I wasn't saved by keeping the commands. I wasn't saved by keeping Sabbath. Matter of fact, Ezekiel makes it very clear. Christians uh, or non-Christians do not keep the Sabbath trying to earn salvation. They just don't. They don't even think that way. But once you are a believer, you start thinking, God, how do I love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength? And God gives us the commands as love language. And that becomes part of our characteristic. And even Satan knows it. The people who are genuine, true believers, their love language is they keep commands. They keep the commandments of God. And one of those commands is the Sabbath day. Um, look at Ezekiel 20. And I just want you to catch at least this much of this passage. For sake of brevity, I'll try to fly through it. I want you to see the sign language. S-I-G-N, sign. Exodus 20, excuse me, Ezekiel 20, verse 12. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between me and them, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. See, these Sabbaths is, is a tool for sanctification, not justification. I give them this day to sanctify them, and it is a sign. You look down, let's see, verse 20. And to keep my Sabbaths holy, that they may be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. Uh, you don't profane them. You keep them as a sign uh, for the nations. Look at verse 22. But I withheld my hand and acted for the sake of my name that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations. God says, you know, I'm embarrassed if you don't keep the Sabbath and spend time with me. And so I'm going to withhold my, my hand. I'm going to withhold my gift and blessings to you. And in, in the book of Ezekiel, I'm going to let you be swallowed up by the Babylonians and taken off into exile. The Sabbath was a sign. The Sabbath is still a sign. The Sabbath is a sign. It, 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 it signifies commandment keepers. Not, there's no discrepancy here. If, I don't know that I've ever met a person who, you, who finds the Sabbath day a real blessing, and, and you see them rejoice in the house of the Lord. You see them sit in God's presence. You see them full of joy. You see them excited about loving Christ and Christ loving them. I've never found that person outside of genuine faith in Christ. I don't find non-believers wanting to be a rejoicer in the house of the Lord. I just don't find them. Because it's a sign of true believers. It's not a sign of the unbeliever. And we get that. When, when I was dating my wife, you know, people at some point would say, hey, you spend a lot of time with that girl. Duh. It means I love her. She spends a lot of time with you. Yeah. It means she loves me. It's a sign. We spend time together. And it, it proves that 
that we love each other. Same tr- it's true. You, you don't seem to never not be in the house of the Lord rejoicing in God. Well, yeah, it's because I love Him. It's because He loves me. Duh, I mean, where else would I be? Jesus said, where else would I be but in my Father's house? I mean, this is a no-brainer. It's, it's a sign that I love Him and that He loves me. You have to see the Sabbath day is, is a day of great value. It distinguishes us. People say, why, why do you keep going to church? I love Him. I don't have to. I'm free. I can sin as good as anybody. But I, I want to. I want to spend time with my Redeemer, my Master, my Sanctifier. The one who cleanses me and little by little conforms me to the image of Christ. The Sabbath day is a big sanctifier. Please, please, please listen to me, parents. Do not let your child rearing ignore the sign of the Sabbath day. Too many parents try to train up their children with rules. And you have all kinds of rules. And it really hits you when you send them off to college. I will hope they have the rules. I hope they've got the rules. And you might even give them a list as you send them off. Now, okay, okay. You're off on your own now. You've got your own place and you're going to college dorm. And I, I, just listen to me. I just want you to do a few things. You know, be careful who you hang out with. Don't, you know, walk in dark alleys. You know, be careful how you spend your money. Be careful what you eat. Be careful what you drink. All kind of people trying to pull you this way. And you start giving them these rules. As you list all of these rules, how many of you have on that list? And by all means, don't fail to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. What if that was your only rule? You see, you don't need any other rules. I just want you to know, as your parent, your mom, your dad, I only need one thing. As you leave, keep the Sabbath day special. One day out of seven, I want you to sit in the presence of Jesus. I want you to feel his love. I want you to understand his redemption. I want you to get his care and his concern for you. I want you to get how he has brought you out of bondage. I want you to get where he is taking you. And I want you to start rejoicing in his presence. Don't walk away from God. Stay in his presence one day every seven. You give yourself to that, you will be preached to. You will be taught. You will be discipled. You will have uh, the Spirit of God in the people of God directing you. And they and God's Spirit will keep you out of the dark alleys and all those other things. So you don't need the other rules. You just need Jesus. And you need to be in His presence. And that's our job as parents is to leave our kids with the view that the Sabbath day is not optional. When we go on vacation, when we go on our camping trip, when we go uh, to this place or that place, when we go to school, whatever. No, no, no. We, we want to sit at the feet of Jesus every Sabbath day. Because that's who we are. That's a sign. 
that we're His and He's ours. And many times, we don't, we don't so richly treasure it as a blessing. We so ingrained it as a rule that we miss the blessing and the rich, sanctifying benefits He gives us. So I'm not asking you to make it a rule. I'm asking you to see it as the gift and blessing that it really is. It's God's testimony that He is with us and will bless us. And the, quick, the world will quickly notice we are somebody that loves Jesus and somebody Jesus loves. Well, fourth thing, I kind of got into it, God's training. The, the way we're trained and the way parents train us, the way God trains us, it's different. God trains us through the Sabbath day. It's our sanctifier. He trains us through preaching, teaching, discipleship, through the body of Christ coming together. Well, you get it. I, I was going to end with Matthew 12. Those of you who come to my discipleship class, I'll give you extra credit. I'll, I'll, I'll end it in there, okay? The rest of you, sorry. Sorry. Matthew 12 is that passage where Jesus and his disciples start walking through a field of grain and they pick, pick the grain and eat on the Sabbath day. And Jesus doesn't fix the Sabbath day so he can abrogate it. He fixes the Sabbath day from the Pharisees and says, I want you to see the blessing the Sabbath day is. Watch my disciples eat. Watch them be blessed. Watch them be fed. Watch them be encouraged on the Sabbath day. Watch it distinguish them from you, you Pharisees. And sometimes we miss the beauty, even of that example of Christ, and Christ saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, and I made the Sabbath for my people, that they could have a blessing, not so that they could have a burden, one more thing to do, or one more rule to keep. My goal as your pastor is to get us there. So I'm going to spend another five weeks or so trying to, to work through the strife we have on this day and get us back to the grace and beauty of this day so we enjoy this love relationship we have with Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. The teaching that's so strong on this subject, we've only looked at just a few out of 90 verses. Wow, there's so much to dig into. Father, I'm pretty confident that people before me are a lot like me. We're sinners and we've dreaded sometimes the Lord's day, the Sabbath day. We've dreaded the routine, we've dreaded the work, and we've missed the blessing. We've missed the rejoicing. We've missed your love, Lord. And we've walked about like a ghost, like we don't even know who we are. And other people don't even know who we are. We've walked around like we didn't belong. And the world didn't know we belonged. But Lord, we belong to you. We're yours and you're ours. And we have a day. We have a day to spend together. A day of great love. A day of great blessing. It's not something to weigh us down. It's not something to hold us back. 
It's a day to enjoy. Father, let us get that. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us for ignoring you and pushing you aside and missing the one thing that matters. May we see Jesus. May we see his love, his grace in constantly giving and loving those he redeems. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.